One thing that's on my heart this morning is that I would love for you to be uh, thinking and praying about Megan. Megan had her tonsils out three weeks ago, which in our day and age, you think, well, that's not a big deal. But she has had some complications with that. And uh, she had to go back to uh, the hospital on Thursday night for surgery again after some bleeding took place. And then she ended up being very sick the last couple of days with all of that and uh, kind of incessant vomiting for 18 hours and that kind of thing. And so we just want to, uh, if you would pray for her, our family would appreciate that very greatly. Uh, she's, I think she's uh, fatigued and is not here this morning just because she's tired. And so I pray, pray that you, or I ask that you would pray for her. A couple other things. We have the ladies' brunch coming up next Saturday morning. And ladies, if you haven't RSVP'd for that, we'd love to have you do so. Uh, it's a wonderful time for our ladies to get together and to be able to plan some things that are taking place during the rest of the year. And if you could RSVP with either Hope or Robin about that event, that would be fantastic. And then on, on November 2nd, we have a special contribution coming up for Northern Hills Church. And I really hope that you're planning for that. We always ask that you not take uh, the contribution for Northern Hills out of your regular contribution. But if you do that above and beyond your normal contribution, that would be great. And if you could do that for November 2nd and make those plans, that would be wonderful. This week, I had the, uh, the privilege of being able to be with a group of people, the Chin people, from Burma. If you know anything about Burma, Burma is now known as Myanmar. But if you talk to these people that I was with this week, and, and I said to them, so do you call it Burma or do you call it Myanmar? And they were adamant. They call it Burma. And the reason they do is because they were driven out of their own country by the government that's now in charge in Myanmar, and they don't want to talk about it being Myanmar. They want to talk about it being Burma. And it was a fascinating story as they related to me just exactly all of the things that they had gone through. This is a people, there's about eight separate major divisions of people within the country of Burma, and the Chin people only make up about 1% of the population of of that country. But they, they live in the far northwest of Burma, and... Uh, are a bit isolated to themselves. And around 1900, there was an American Baptist missionary that went in there and, and basically converted them to Jesus. And so today, between 80 and 90% of the Chin people who are part of Burma are, in fact, Christian, which is fantastic. But the government has been so oppressive toward these people that many of them have had to leave. There's a lot of them that live in India uh, they've gone to different parts of the world. And there are about 1,500 or so of the Chin people who live in Canada. Well, for those 1,500 people, they have uh, a group of preachers of, of 12. There are, there are 12 preachers for this group of Chin people spread through, uh, throughout Canada. And they have churches in the various cities. And one thing led to another. And I had a chance to spend six hours with them uh, this week just talking about how to study the Bible. And they came to Calgary. We had people there from Kitchener. A couple of different churches actually represented from Kitchener and Toronto and Vancouver and Winnipeg and, and Regina. And all of these people got together. And, and we spent some great time together. And one of the things that I, I just was so... Uh, impressed with, and which really struck me, was the fellowship that, that they were enjoying. These guys are serving churches throughout now Canada with, uh, again, a fairly small con, um, population base, 1,500 people or so of their people within Canada, and they found themselves uh, going, uh, being associated with different denominational churches. And, and then they come together at one place 
between six months and every two years, they come together because they are still the Chin family of people. And so although divided in one sense, they're still Chin and they still all serve Christ. And so they come together specifically to fellowship and to enjoy each other's company. And, and they specifically scheduled this meeting this week because it was Thanksgiving weekend. And they wanted to come together across the country to, in one case, learn how to study the Bible better, but really to fellowship and to enjoy each other's company at Thanksgiving time. And so I wasn't able to be with them last night. But last night, I know what happened after having been with them for a while and and got to know these, these good brothers and sisters. Last night, they got together for a meal at the preacher's house here in Calgary who represents their group here. And they were going to do two things. They were going to share this meal together and they were going to pray. And what they did, I'm sure, was get together and enjoy this incredible sense of fellowship. They only see each other maybe once every two years. They have this common bond among them And they've come from all over the country to associate together. And so I'm guessing that the fellowship last night was sweet. You know, when you've been persecuted by your own government, and almost all of these preachers that I talked to had been in jail at some point because of their faith, and then were released and eventually were able to escape and come to countries like Canada. And so that you can imagine when they get together that the fellowship is sweet, that the fellowship is rich. And when they celebrate a meal together, it's because God is in their midst. And I have no doubt but that they took the Lord's Supper. And they did so because God is with them and is so central to their lives. And they were celebrating on Thanksgiving weekend together the wonderful things that they share in the Lord. Well, this morning we're doing the same kind of thing. And no, it's not been two years. And no, we weren't in jail because of our faith. But we're gathering together today on Thanksgiving weekend and participating together in a very, very special meal. You know, the the way that the early church took the Lord's Supper is quite a bit different than the way we take the Lord's Supper. In the early church, they didn't have pews. In the early church, they didn't have trays. In the early church, they didn't have individual cups. They didn't have little crackers that were separated, and they took in that way. They didn't take the time in the middle of a worship service, quite an institutional, formalized kind of gathering. They didn't take the Lord's Supper in a place like this. Instead, they were meeting together in homes, and they were actually meeting around a table like this, and in the middle of this meal that they would share together, they would stop, and they would share together in the Lord's Supper. And they would celebrate together this wonderful cup of thanksgiving that Christ had given them to share together. And so look at this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 through 17. I speak to sensible people, Paul says. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation or a sharing, if you will, in the blood of of Christ. And when he says it's a participation and in sharing, it's not just with Christ, although it is with Christ, but it's with each other. 
So there's a participation of all of us, he says, in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation, a sharing together in the body of Christ. And clearly, he's talking here about the Lord's Supper. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And so there is room then, and and much more than just room, there is this wonderful place, appropriateness, about us sharing together in a meal. And at the heart of the Lord's Supper is the giving of thanks, as he says here, the cup of thanksgiving, and the participation with Christ when we share together in the taking of the bread and the wine. You know, a lot of times when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we'll, we'll talk quite a bit about the Lord's Supper, and, and, and th- that's a good thing, but it's so interesting to me the way that there's a focus here on thanksgiving and on the taking of the meal. Something happens when we take this meal, when we share together. That's the most important thing that needs to happen, is that we participate together in the sharing and the taking of this meal. And so that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We've done this in a bit of a unique way, but we're going to have a chance now to share together in the taking of the Lord's Supper as part of our meal together. Hey guys, I I just love this time of the year. I love Thanksgiving. Grandma's such a good cook. And you know what? Before you were born, before you were born, and before your mom married your dad, she cooked it all by herself, but now she has your mom to help too. So let's go ahead and, and uh, dig in and, and dish up and enjoy this uh, Thanksgiving meal. Hey, Grandma, when you finish with uh, Rebecca, <laughs> would you mind pouring some juice for everybody? Or starting? Is the salt and pepper on? No, you don't need enough salt. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for looking after my heart, Mom. Thank you. I've heard that before. Hey, you know what, you guys? I... I love this time of the year. I, I was thinking about this weekend, and, and isn't it beautiful seeing all the colors of the leaves and how they're changing, and, and with the bright sunshine over the last few days, um, and the blue sky, it's just been so pretty out there, and it, it makes me think about uh, God's creation, you know, and uh, I, I just love it. And as a matter of fact, two nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was bright outside. I thought it was daylight. I didn't know what time it was. And it was because the moon was full. 
And uh, we call that the harvest moon. And that caused me to think about all the farmers that are out working their fields and bringing in their harvest. And that's how we are able to eat, Anastasia. That's how we're able to eat. The farmers bring their, their grain in. As a matter of fact, we have so much in Canada that we're able to sell our grain to other countries and they can feed their people too. Pretty neat, eh? But as I think about being grateful for the bounty of our country, all the, all the good things that we have, you know, nothing really compares to the gift that we have in Jesus. You know what he's promised us, you guys? He has promised us, Rebecca, that if we believe in him and we follow him, we give our lives to him, that one day... When we die, we will be with God forever in heaven. And guess what? In heaven, there's no pain. Nobody hurts. There's no tears. There's no sorrow. Nobody can hurt our feelings. It's just going to be wonderful. So I was thinking about that. And, you know, as we sit at this table, our table, the early Christians, they used to gather in their homes And they would sit down and break bread together. We should break some bread, by the way. Maybe pass some bread. They would break bread together. And uh, in the middle of their meal, they would stop. And I bet they would reflect on Jesus. They would think about Jesus. Thank you, Mike. And they would think about how he gave his life up for them. And how he suffered. And how he uh, was raised from the dead after being buried. And what a miraculous time it was and what, what a gift of hope it brings to to them. And you know today what we do we, we, we call that we call that the Lord's Supper today or communion. And so I'm I'm wondering, Jesse, you know when we have communion or the Lord's Supper in our church and I'm asked to help pass emblems here, you always want to come and help me. I, I just love that. So I'm wondering, what do you think about when you, uh, when you think, what do you think about the Lord's Supper? Well, I think a lot about Jesus and God and when he died on the cross and all that blood that got left. Right on. What does your sister Rebecca think? I'll bet I'll bet Grandma can help out. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca told me before that she's thankful that she has elbows because then she can hug us, and she can and she can get the food up to her, her mouth too. So, what does Grandma think about at the Lord's Supper? I I have to say that I'm very very thankful that God is a God of second chances, and that um, when we mess up that he's always there to love us and to give us another chance to uh, uh, to come back to him. That's what I'm thankful. Right on. What a gift that is. Mother Trina. Well, I'm 
very thankful for my family and my husband's family, which is now mine. Um, but when I think about Jesus and him dying on the cross, I am so thankful that his blood brings us all together and that we have church family that is sometimes closer and um, just a great encouragement to me than than the family that I was born into. Yeah, it's amazing, the, the, the unity and the, uh, the oneness. Mike, what are your thoughts? I'm very much thankful for the same thing. The family gathers around the table and the family that extends far beyond the Coglins that I know and uh, that includes all sorts of people that I may or may not choose to be my friends, but it's Jesus that invites me into this rich family. So that's certainly what I'm thankful for. Right on. Well, did I get everybody? Did, did everybody share? Oh, Anastasia. What, what do you think? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my friends. You're thankful for your friends? Right on. And he, Jesus gives us many friends, doesn't he? And I'm happy that he washed away our sins. We're dying on the cross for us to live. Thank you, Anna. That's great. Well, you know, I've been challenged lately uh, in my in my thoughts. I think many things around the Lord's Supper, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of of our Lord and Savior. But a friend of mine lent me a book, and uh, it's called "Not a Fan." And so, on the back cover, it says, Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? The dictionary defines a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. Fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires sacrifice. Fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires sacrifice. Fans may be fine with repeating a prayer or attending a church service on the weekend, maybe even putting a uh, Jesus fish on their bumpers. But is that really the extent of the relationship that Jesus wants? Jesus was never interested in having admirers. It's not fans he is looking for. It's followers. So as I, as I challenge myself, am I a fan or am I a follower? I think about the Roman soldiers that took their whips and they, and they beat Jesus on the back, almost to the point of death. So as he got hit, as he was struck by the, those lashes, by that whip, it cut his back open. Wouldn't that hurt? Cut his back open and he bled. And he hurt, and he was exhausted. And after that, they forced him to put a big wooden timber on top of that pain, on top of that, those injuries, and carry it to the point where he would be killed. And it makes me think, you can't carry a cross without pain and suffering. You can't carry a cross without pain and suffering. 
And uh, the, the scripture I was thinking of that challenged me is, is Luke 9.23. And it, these are Jesus' words. And if he didn't mean them, he wouldn't say them. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And that's going to require some sacrifice and some pain for him. What about you, church? What do you, what do you think of as, as we gather together for this uh, Lord's Supper? I think many things when I think of the Lord's Supper, but lately I've been thinking about what a wonderful healer our God and Father is, that he would take the wounds of Jesus and he would make him whole and give him life again, and how he does that for me and for everyone here, how he heals us from our sins and makes us whole and gives us life and a promise and a hope of heaven one day where we'll all be at this banquet table together. Somebody else? I, I was in a conversation yesterday with someone, and, you know, when you're, when you're talking to someone else about Jesus, of course, it, it causes you to, to clarify things for yourself. And um, I guess we, we hit the bottom line in the conversation somewhere, and I said, and, th- and this is the thing I've been thinking about just in the last 24 hours, that, that God did all this to bring me back into a right relationship with him. He went through all the pain, the insults, the injury by his own creation, and I just, it's an incredible gift for someone to give out that much to make me right with them. And there's not a single thing that I can do on my end to have earned any of it. It's a gift from the beginning to end, just a gift that I am incredibly thankful for. I often hear, and I think myself, the, the, I ask the question, where is the joy? Uh, sometimes, even though we, we uh, wear the name of Jesus, uh, we struggle with, the, with that question, where is the joy? And I think, and it's something that we all need to be called to, and that's to, to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves. And... Uh, it's an interesting uh, what will happen. When we deny ourselves, we think that would be taking so many things away from us that we love. And I think the opposite will be true, and that is when we deny ourselves, we will experience the joy uh, that Jesus wants for each one of us. Yeah, I think, I think when Jesus died, died for our sins and died for me on the cross, and how Brenda Allen says how... He's the person of second chances now. He gives me a second chance how, even though I mess up. And I'm so very thankful, and I'm so very thankful that I got a loving church family and that I have a loving Heavenly Father who's my best friend of all. Somebody has a burning desire to share. One more. I knew it, Joanne. I don't know where to begin. There's so much to be thankful for, but... The top of my list would be my grandson. Many of you know that he has uh, an illness that uh, there's no cure for. But I, I'm one that uh, thinks of just taking each day at a time 
And um, in those days, um, God has put people in our paths, people with great talents, people who have, have um, worked their lives on finding a cure for this illness. I'm just so grateful because they make his life easier and gives him quality of life. And uh, uh, he's such a joy in our lives. And I just thank everyone for the prayers for him and for God sending these special people in his path. Thank you. Okay, guys, we're going to, uh, we're going to stop eating now. Uh, we're going to stop eating now, and we're going to participate in a different meal. In the middle of our meal, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And uh, church, when I finish praying, I would invite you, you know, I was going to invite you to my table, but you know, it's not my table that you're invited to, it's his table. We come together as one. So I'm going to pray for the, for the bread, I'm going to pray for the, for the fruit of the vine, and then you can just come on up here towards the front, the tables are here, take the cup, take the bread, drink and eat here and just leave your cup here and go back to your, to your seat. Okay, let's pray. God, we uh, thank you that you are such an amazing God. Thank you that you're the God of second chances. That you're the God that is so patient with us when we turn into fans and not followers. When we look at you from afar and not close. When we don't walk in your footsteps. It amazes me that you, your arms are always wide open. And I think now, Father, as we, as we consider the bread, the emblem of the bread that represents Jesus' body broken on the cross, that that pain and suffering was for, for us. And that through his wounds we are healed. And as I consider the, the fruit of the vine, Father, I know it's given by you as a new covenant, a new agreement with mankind, a covenant of grace, of a forgiveness that never ends. And as we take that cup this morning with gratitude for that forgiveness, because we continue to fail, may it not be a license for us, Father, to to abuse your grace, but to always be mindful of how much you love us and that you call us to show that love to others through Jesus. Amen. Come on up, church.